you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. The Around the NFL podcast. Change producers like most people change socks. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's happening? Woo! <laughs> Big show. Excited about today's show. Good to see you guys all together. We're just friends talking about football. You know, good analysis, but also fun. We're just bros. We talk sports, but we also talk chicks, and we talk rock and roll. I'm not a bro. We don't talk chicks. That, that's all. You're not a bro. That's that's your interpretation of what you are or you aren't. Yeah, I'm definitely not a bro. I don't get all the bro stuff. Um, bro, brah, whatever, all of it, out. All right, Chris <laughs> Wessling, <laughs> anti-bro. Anti-bro, anti-bro, anti-bra. All right, bra. All of it out. Uh, this is the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, loved by tens of thousands. Mm. Admired by hundreds. Beholden to no one. That's correct. Big show today. Uh, a show that uh, will include the, the continuation of our division by division preview uh, series. We wrapped up the <laughs> NFC last week. We will now begin the AFC starting with the East. What's so funny? Yeah, your big sigh. Your open disdain for this segment. I like talking football with the boys. I like it. That's good. Talk some pigskin with it the guys. It would be problematic if you didn't on this program. <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's just there's so many divisions, so it's just like it takes forever to <laughs> oh, it's, do this. It's thing. too much. Should we start some relegation processes? I, well, that's that's something maybe for next year. It feels like unfair at this point now that they're in, but maybe the 
maybe the two least interesting divisions this year get just purged right out of the preview next year. <laughs> I'm all in on that. Um, anyway, so we will talk about, yes, the AFC East division uh, today. Uh, we will also, oh, my God, get excited because it's part two of the Fantasy Extravaganza. I'm excited about that, and we're going to have a special guest uh, from the NFL fantasy team. Uh, Marcus Grant will be joining us, and now people are, oh, is that is that the big fish? Is that the... Bloop. Ooh, I got a big one, bringing him in the boat. No, that is not the big fish that I've been teasing uh, for part three of the fantasy extravaganza. I mean... Is that how we sell our colleague? That he's not the big fish? <laughs> Bloop. No. Because At this point, you're setting up said big fish for disappointment. People people are going to be expecting, you know, Matt Whoa. Damon or something to walk in here. I mean, Help me. Help me. When's the last time you went fishing? Uh, 1988. <laughs> I was looking at your cast there. You're eight. A little work. You're eight. I was eight years old. Got to no, bring it out here. Marcus, don't take it personal. Uh, Marcus, he's already in the boat. You know, he's part of the NFL media umbrella. Like, this one is going across the country. Wish we had the video for your cast there. I, 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 I kind of like it. That was an absurd wrist. casting effort on your part. Nobody the cast like this. Uh, so, yes. Anyway, so Marcus Grant's going to join us for our fantasy talk. And um, – but we also have a, a special guest behind the glass. And, um, you know, this is a, a guest that not only is uh, are we excited to have here, we're also a little sad. This is, would qualify, Greg, as what again? Bittersweet. Bittersweet. TD, his last week at NFL Media. What up, bruh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, is Wes's wire okay, by the way? It's completely fine. Thank you. <laughs> Was, hey, I got oh, yeah. some news for you. It was always completely fun. <laughs> Anybody with a problem with it is no longer in this building. We could have a totally separate. Maybe Brandon will put together the best of moments where Chris and Mark yelled at TD <laughs> on the podcast. This is great. One last time, the whole team together, TD going off on a new work opportunity. Not, I got to say, not thrilled that you broke this on the DJ show, which in terms of reach and quality is just, you know, a little below the board. If, if you if you will, uh, so you broke it on his show. You threw him a bone, but move the stakes with DJ like, and Bucky Brooks. Like what is your what are your emotions right now to be saying goodbye to your fourth favorite podcast at the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat sad, but no, no. I, I mean, I love the show, guys. I, I love the fact that Dan now has his own sound effects for fishing. That's fantastic. <laughs> Less work for the producers. To yeah, do. that was that was for you guys. Yeah, but um, no, it's uh, it's bittersweet for sure. Most well, that's the word you use. Why I. <laughs> When is the last time you actually listened to a full episode, wire to wire, of this uh, this podcast? I listened to Friday show, actually. Ooh. That is a lie. That is true. I listened to Friday show. I listened all the way through to Marital Bliss. Um, you know, you guys are spinoff of a pod. That was fun as well. So TD's I listened been to there. Monday. Listen, TD's been around here for a while. Seven years or something you've been at this company? Seven years and wow. eight. Uh, I was an intern at Films before I moved up here. He was well. actually young Kobe. Now he's Then he was youngish Kobe. Now he's kind of like now you're it. actually kind of yeah. like you know Colorado incident Kobe right now. <laughs> <laughs> or that'll be you in three months when you That's, completely you know, tumble as a human being. Changing my number, changing my number, getting a tattoo here and there. <laughs> it's a young man's game, so I'm living it for Brandon and Sid. And uh, is this the Black Mamba phase? Maybe that's the more accurate. 
Going rogue, guys. Okay. Going rogue. All right, so TD's sitting in with us, and uh, we did hear through the grapevine that one message he sent out to various underlings was, I'm not doing any work, ahead pre-production work ahead of today's show. I'm just in it as a glory boy behind the glass. Is that fair to say? Let's just say the ideas were still, you know, I was still part of the idea session of things, but right. the actual, mm. you know, This is shaping up work. as a comprehensively well, lost episode. It's, <laughs> it's TD being really consistent with his attitude as our producer throughout the year. I, You know, I wanted to go out, you know, pretty much how I've always been. So. All right. Well, it's good to have you one more time, TD, for your next great adventure in life. Let's do some news. What can I say? Mamba out. <laughs> there you go. Hoping to uh, at least, you know, give you guys a good 60 minutes like Kobe dropped 60 in his final night. Ooh, All right. Like Does that mean like you, like he jacked 50 shots, you'll talk through the entire show? <laughs> a little bit more efficient, but yeah. All right, let's start with the San Diego Chargers guys and Joey Bosa. And this situation, which already was bad, got worse, a lot worse. On Wednesday, uh, the team announced or a, a report came out that uh, the Chargers had made – another offer to Bosa's camp that was rejected. And at that point, the Chargers, let's face it, went nuclear. And they released a statement um, on the matter. And um, let me just read some of this statement for you. Can we get some of that missive music? Because this was a missive from the Chargers Mm. today. Titled Statement from San Diego Chargers regarding defensive end Joey Bosa. The San Diego Chargers issued the following statement regarding the contract negotiations with 2016 first-round pick Joey Bosa. Our contract discussions and offers to the representative of Joey Bosa have been both fair and structurally consistent with the contracts of every other Chargers player. Offer included an initial signing bonus that is larger than any player in the league uh, in the past two drafts. More money in this calendar year than every year in this draft except for one, Carson Wentz. The largest payment and highest percentage of signing bonus received in the first calendar year of any Chargers first-round selection since the new CBA. We gave Joey's representatives our best offer last night, which was rejected today. The offer that we extended was for Joey to contribute during all 16 games and beyond. Joey's ability to contribute for an entire rookie season has now been jeopardized by the valuable time he has missed with his coaches and his teammates. Since Joey will not report on time, his ability to produce not just early in the season, but throughout the entire season has been negatively impacted. As a result, we will restructure our offer since Joey will be unable to contribute for 16-game season without the adequate time of the practice field in the classroom in preseason games. That's an angry statement. That was a go-get-your-shine-box statement. Maron, what a message. I mean, this, make no mistake about it, this is a public relations war at this point, and the Chargers have dropped a hammer because this is how the Chargers have done business. It's, a, it's very much a family-owned team. It's a smaller operation than other teams, and they're not going to bend from it. And you know what? Now Bosa has the – it's on Bosa to come back with some sort of a statement to prove and make his point to other people because at this point the Chargers to me look to be – What a mess. In, I, it's a mess, but the Chargers are saying we're not bending. Go for right. it. And all these – I mean, a lot of these where it said more money in this calendar year, it's underlined it. And just the level of detail in this statement is something we've never seen. It it shows that they know fans are savvy about contracts – and they're trying to get out in front of it. 
I still think it makes them look bad. I think it makes the Chargers look immature. It's like when two guys go back and forth at, at each other on Twitter, I think they're both jerks. And this, to me, just makes the Chargers... It reminds me of like, hey, maybe this is why you haven't been able to get a stadium deal done if this is how you approach business operations. I, I can't imagine... Be the adult. I can't imagine the frustration behind the scenes going on here. But yeah, I, I felt the same way that that doesn't mean you need to release a statement because I think what they're trying to do now is they're so in the feeling that they're in the right here. And you can make the argument that they are in the right uh, sure. when when you're talking about he's not trying to get a raise. He's just trying to decide when when certain money comes to him. It, it's it's different than and they bent a hold on some of those issues. Is, is yeah. it worth it for either side? It no. doesn't seem like it's worth it. And what exactly is Joey Bosa's leverage? I see zero leverage for him. I well, think this statement was them saying, let's get everyone to turn against this guy. We're going to take a shot, get the, all the team to go against him, get the media to come down on him, and maybe he'll bend. It seemed like a, a nuclear button push. It's, it seems very fair that if inside that locker room at this point, there are probably multiple camps with some of them very much against at this stage in the game where Bosa is not on the field. But if the Chargers simply bend just to solve this, you have to deal with the rest of your roster. You have to deal with how you structure rookie contracts from now on out. This is one player, and it's a team saying one player is not bigger than the San Diego Chargers. I think that's healthy. I don't like the way this is going, but you can't but, just bend and but suddenly... Both, both sides have bent, I think, just not not enough. It's stupid. I, I get it. They don't want to bend, but it just shows your lack of being able to close a deal. But is Bosa's take not stupid? He wants a certain amount of money five or six months earlier. I mean, at what point do we just this, shut down on the greed level? You're going to get the money. This hard line stance, once again, on both sides, I just don't feel like is worth it. Greg, right. how, how does this end? I always assume that it'll get done before the season starts. So I tend to think it'll happen... I, if I had to put an over-under, I'd say the Monday, Labor Day, uh, before the season starts. I don't know. But, cause, but then I would have never expected it to get to this point. All right, let's move on. The, the Indianapolis Colts have some problems in their secondary because Vontae Davis, who's been one of the best uh, cornerbacks in the AFC in recent seasons, has suffered an ankle injury um, that will cost him multiple weeks. will take him into the regular season. They're thinking it will be – you know, at least the end of September, maybe go beyond that. Uh, it's an inside his ankle injury, so it's not even a, a typical type of ankle sprain. So they're a little unsure how it's going to heal. So what do they do? They go out and they got to find somebody. So there's Antonio Cromartie, who we just heard last week, was honking about I'm, my time's going to come soon. It did come soon. He signs a deal last season with the Jets. Uh, he was pretty much a disaster for the first half of the year, kind of put it together in the back half. But the, at the end of the day, Chris Wessling, this is a 31-year-old, 32-year-old cornerback that has hip problems that aren't going away. Yeah, he, he lost a step last year. Pro Football Focus had him down for a 112 passer rating on throws in his coverage. So he turned every quarterback in the league into the best quarterback in mm. the league. And he's set up to fail. I don't know what cornerback could do well here. I did a piece today uh, which was trying to pick the easiest and the hardest jobs in the NFL. I thought Colts cornerback is one of the hardest jobs in the NFL because the front seven is not going to provide any pressure, and this is a defense that counts on their cornerbacks to really play man coverage. And and they blitz a ton to make up for it. Right, and get exposed. Three of their four 
cornerbacks last year were ranked 90th and below out of 119 in pro football focus. Greg Toller, who used to be a good player, was 111. It's because I think they put these guys in a position to fail. This defense is a disaster. I mean, Cromartie's played press corner for a big chunk of his career, but they always talk about having he's good one year and then he's a disaster the next and he's been on a bunch of teams. At, At this, well, he's due, but at this age... I'm not sure the good years coming back around. And like you said, he's in a cesspool of underperforming secondary players. He's due, but it was only July 25th, I believe, that Rap Sheet reported he was considering retirement mm. due to lingering hip issues. So it's hard to call a 32-year-old corner like due for a great year. And what's his off-season conditioning been if that was the decision-making process he almost Wait, came near? Chuck it- Pretty telling that this was his first free agent visit since he was cut by the Jets in February. Chuck Pagano knows they're a disaster. He has taken to calling himself the assistant secondary coach this year. That he he's wow. putting really the target on his back almost. That he knows his secondary is so bad that he is spending extra time trying to fix it all off season. I, I just don't see it. That Andrew Luck has many years ahead of him in this league, but why do I get a little bit of a bad feeling that he could be the Dan Marino of his generation if he sticks with the For a very good reason. I mean, at least under this regime, he needs uh, he needs a better team around him. Look how much pressure is on him. Once again, coming off a lost, injured year, he's going to have to be better than ever and hit the ground running this season to help them win games. I think that's a very fair comparison. Marino was famously never had a running game and rarely had a good defense. And you could say the same thing about the Colts. The last time they had a 100-yard rusher, I believe, was like three years ago. And yeah, the defense in a could, game, yeah. The defense could be the worst defense in the NFL this year. Well, and he's, you know, a quarterback, and unlike Marino, who had one of the quickest releases in football, I mean, he has gotten whacked back there, and they need to protect him. It's going to be some very hot butts in Indianapolis this year. Uh, let's move on. Uh-oh. You know what that sound means? Only can mean one thing. Hard Knocks, episode three, Tuesday night on HBO. I wrote the weekly recap as I do every week. You can find that at NFL.com slash Hard Knocks. And um, listen, the thing that stood out to me in this episode was um, Greg Williams (laughs) is, I mean, I don't know. What, What can you say about Greg Williams, Greg? A Greg with a double G. That he's what you would expect him to be. An unlikable guy? A guy who's going to MF you to death and uh, thinks the world is soft and just, I don't he's, know. He made a statement, a Wes. Crazy. Tell me if you actually I think he's agree with the statement. Too. Maybe. He could. <laughs> Tell me if you agree with the statement, Wes. Because not only he – t- he, went, he went after his defense in a meeting that felt like a straight-up shot at the millennial generation yes. to me. Uh, he said this to say, all the colleges in the country and all your moms and dads, nobody's supposed to holler at you guys anymore. People that have enabled you your whole life, they're disabling you for your future. <laughs> you, I, I am loath to side with Greg Williams on any issue, but we are an incredibly soft country right now. <laughs> So yes, I do agree. We could not be a softer country. Couldn't so, agree. I mean, don't you? We, you you've got kids. Don't you think that the the helicopter parenting that goes on in general? Not saying by the two of you, Greg and Dan, but it's insane right now. I don't know. I you I don't think so. I, I do. don't know. I think I think that is something every single generation says is that the generation after them is soft. And so I'm kind of a, I'm aware of that. it's just something that's but, true throughout the world. Everyone always had it easier before. But so, in Greg Williams' case, I, and if he's talking about the NFL, 
That's how he sees it. We just saw right. last week. Well, on the NFL, R-Nots. it's pr- it's true. It it's is a, softer it's now. It's just the way they do the business. But now. I think that's positive, mostly. Yeah, it is. But if you're an old school guy like Greg Williams, you miss guys knocking the snot out of each other uh, all the time. It's just he's a gif- different dude. So you see Greg Williams, <laughs> and then you see Mike Singletary. Well, who? Go ahead. I want to say how well, the, the biggest surprise in this episode. How do none of the players laugh when Greg Williams says the words? Uh, that they're too touchy, touchy, touchy on your assy, assy, assy. These are um, things. Phrasing. That, he literally was like, he's like, oh, you guys are just touchy, touchy, touchy on your assy, assy, assy. He says those words, and none of them crack That's, up. He's supposed to be being serious and yelling. You know what that is? That's a uh, reveal magnifico. Because when someone is so kind of so much of a hard ass, and I've had this with teachers and and coaches in my life that they say something ridiculous and you're afraid to smile or laugh or bust the guy's balls a little bit, you know he's a hard ass because you're afraid to even in that case be like, give a little chuckle. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Fisher says that. Everyone's laughing. But in that meeting, no one wants to get Greg Williams back in their face. I mean, he's a pretty mean dude. And then you have Mike Singletary, who has been out in the wilderness. I don't know if anybody realized this. He didn't even have a job the last two years. I don't know if it was his choice or not. But he now um, – returns as a, in a vague title as a defensive assistant uh, with this team, and he's doing his best. He was just like um, our old friend in Arizona, the running backs coach, Stump, Stump, Stump Mitchell. Stump Mitchell told David Johnson after their season ended uh, uh, in the playoffs last year that he thought David Johnson could be one of the best ever if he stays healthy. Uh, the same thing is said by Singletary to Alec Ogletree, saying if he puts it together, he could be one of the greatest ever. He just is too lazy. He's calling out his work ethic. Uh, So that was interesting to see. So that was, to me, in what was another somewhat uh, mundane episode in what has been a down season, in my opinion, uh, the things that stood out. I still enjoy it. Mike Waffle, too, uh, really getting in the face of Ethan Westbrook's in an uncomfortable way is part of of that theme. The coach is just getting on those guys. Do you feel like, because I know you talked to Fisher last couple episodes, that he's sort of in a good cop role then when he's got these insane, uh, you yeah. know, tough-nosed assistants? I wrote about it last week. How I wondered if uh, Fisher being kind of a softie was problematic. And now, and we kind of talked about this last week, uh, It's it comes into focus now as you're getting to know the staff better. As long as you your coaching staff has guys like Greg friggin' Williams and Mike Singletary, who everyone's totally afraid of, uh, and Mike Waffle, you kind of have that that corner covered. So I think that's Fisher, who, like him or not, and if he has another bad season, I, th- I believe he becomes the losingest coach in NFL history. Uh, he at least knows uh, what he has to do to put together a staff that balances things out. Impressive game film when they showed Jeff Fisher as a return man. I was like, I yeah. would not have expected Jeff Fisher to have that kind of speed. He was on the old uh, Chicago Bears, wasn't yes. he? Yeah. 86-yard punt return for a touchdown. And the line of the night goes to um, William Hayes, this is one of those weird things about um, NFL, the NFL, and it doesn't transfer over to any other workplaces where people talk openly about who's the ugliest person like on the team. Like, imagine if that happened in our office, if we just were hanging out like saying, oh, that guy's the ugliest dude or yeah. the, this girl. It would be problematic. A total disaster. Um, <clears throat> Hayes and um, we know Todd Gurley. TD. Good looking man. Yeah, Hayes and Todd Gurley, they both settle on uh, wide receiver Tamaric Hemingway. And the line of the night from William Hayes, Hemingway looks like he was bird that a <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, multiple. 
That would make you uglier, I think. These people are friends? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. The NFL's weird. I've been <clears throat> underwhelmed by hard knocks so far, and especially this coaching staff. I got a little teaser here. I will have a go-get-my-lunch that's based on the Rams' one-loss record this year. Ooh, I like it. Ooh, exciting. That would ha- I would have to – I don't want to ruin it, but it's got to be out of that 7-9 and nine range. Oh, it's lower. Yeah. I just want my quarterback for any team I root for to know where the sun rises. I don't. I'm still cannot comprehend that someone graduated from Cal and doesn't know where the f- sun rises. Well, if this will make Rams f- fans feel a little bit better, Sam Farmer of the LA Times wrote an article this week reminding everyone that Peyton Manning didn't know how to use a can opener as a rookie. Well, there you go. There you go. By the way, the uh, TD, you like that Hard Knocks theme. I'm a big fan. Again, Hard Knocks has been down this season so far, as you guys have said, but the music is always great. And I know we use the intro coming into the segment. May I interest you guys in another Hard Knocks track? Mm, okay. You have the whole soundtrack. I have Possibly. the whole album. It's a fantastic workout album. So here's a oh, good that track. Is so TD. Okay, go ahead. I know me and my movie scores, man. Oh, yeah. How about this. <laughs> Play this next year when you're defending your softball crown. That's right. They always do have the the main theme. Yeah, this the is the music he plays there. as he's setting up the tripod to tape himself shooting basketball. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I like that. Moving on. Okay, moving on. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about the AFC East division of the National Football League, uh, which covers what teams, Greg? Well, uh, this year it's going to be the Patriots. Of New England. They yeah. play in Foxborough. It's a little confusing. Almost moved to Hartford once. Gotcha. Uh, New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and Miami Dolphins. That's correct. And uh, what we will do is uh, go through this division, and we will ask about who's a breakout star, who's the biggest concern, and then we make our picks, how we think the division shakes out. And, you know, I got to be on guard right now because I it's always a turkey shoot when the Jets are involved. <laughs> so I need to make sure I defend my team. Because I will go after my team when necessary. And I've been doing this podcast long enough where I've gotten after those Jets big time when they deserve it. But sometimes they don't. I mean, to the point where the Jets PR guy uh, in written copy has actually come after you. Multiple times. Jets PR and I, the relationship is up and down. Remember when I got into it with the Jets PR guy? Yeah. I think <laughs> that's good. I think your career starts in NFL media when you get into it with the Jets PR guy. <laughs> Anyway, so let's start, guys. With a that little... would explain why I've never heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with uh, the breakout star, Mark Sessler. This could be your chance, by the way, to hear from, I won't name him, but uh, the gentleman, uh, breakout star of the AFC East. Well, I, you know, we, you know, to pull back the curtain, we talked about a few people. I think there's some obvious stars out there. I'm going to go with one that I think is not the most obvious guy. But he is in New England, the team that I know is going to succeed in this division and not lay some sort of 6-10 and 10 egg where everyone we think is going to be good stinks. The Patriots are going to be good. Check that out. And Chris Hogan, <laughs> who they signed oh, with very on. specific purposes. Bill Belichick loves Chris Hogan, says he can do all sorts of things. He's even their backup punter if they need someone to punt. But look, at they turned Julian Edelman into a star. But Julian Edelman is good. Julian Edelman was a college quarterback who initially was a return man who they turned into one of the more productive wide receivers in the entire league. They've shown they can do it. That's a position switch. Chris Hogan, I think, will have a big part 
uh, in their wide receiver group, you look at the group, there's not spectacular competition. I think he's going to play a big role, and he's going to be productive. And in the Patriots world of wide receivers, it's not necessarily, you know, post-Randy Moss. It's not some sort of size speed freak. It's who gets production. And I think outside of the tight ends, he's got a chance to make a big dent. I just wonder where the targets are going to come from. He, If he's better than Danny Amendola, I'm going to have to see it on film, and I haven't yeah. seen that yet. We'll see. You say breakout star, by the way. So I'm gonna I'll have to throw out an over under here, buddy. Yeah, star. I don't do the, I don't do well with these over unders. So. Uh, shoot, seventy catches. Um, I will say he will have exactly seventy catches. One thousand yards. Old even. town <laughs> middle Sessler. <laughs> Ride that fence. A little bit below a thousand yards. But if you look at where Chris Hogan was a year ago and how he was poorly used in Buffalo, that would be for was him. Was he poorly a ma- used? I, we'll find out. Chris Hogan. I like, you know what? I like it right out of the gate. Doubt me and let's see seven where this touchdowns. goes. Seven, yes. He'll have seven. So, <laughs> Good call. 70 catches for 937 yards and seven touchdowns. Bingo. There's I would line. call that a breakout season for Chris Hogan. That would be a breakout season. I, I, I like what I Julian Edelman has been injured up. You sure. know, we get to see Julian Amandola Edelman Amandola and Edelman healthy. have both been incredibly injury prone. I think that's your best bet. That's, it has, that has that, to happen probably. Chris I will Hogan's give you a sandwich if he hits any of those. I don't even want a sandwich. I'm more excited about <laughs> Malcolm Mitchell. I do think if everyone's healthy, he's going to have a hard time. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not in the top five on the team in receptions. Just because of the tight ends and, and the running backs, everything like that. Breakout star, Chris Wessling. This is sort of my ongoing theme for the division. I'm going to stay in New England because they're the oh, only wow. team worth talking about here. Oh, oh that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, I shouldn't be dismissive of the AFC East, which rolls over and lets the Patriots have the division yeah, every year. Be dismissive of a team that went 10-6 and six last year. Right. Whatever. When all things broke right for them. Yeah. Whatever. They've, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with a guy who Greg mentioned could go from Pro Bowl caliber to Defensive Player of the Year caliber, Jamie Collins. And this goes back to, look, Chris Collinsworth, best game analyst in the business. These meetings that they have pre-production, he gets more information out of these meetings than anyone else. And last year he had a whopper during the Colts-Patriots game. Colts coaches told Collinsworth they game plan for Jamie Collins more than any other player they face except for J.J. Watt. Mm. I think that's a wow. very telling quote. And he, Collinsworth has also said in another game, Collins, Jamie Collins can be as good as any player in the league. And athletically, he's right up there at the top. I think he's a tougher player than he, well, he was a couple years ago. That I think the criticism early maybe wasn't as good in run defense, and now, now I think he's going to be making a lot of big plays. Question, is he already, if this stuff's already been said about him last season, is he already on the in the star category to some degree? I think yes. he goes from being a guy who gets Pro Bowl consideration to being the best 4-3 outside linebacker in the NFL. I will talk about my beloved Jets because there are players that deserve to be talked about. And Leonard Williams is one of them. And the uh, defensive lineman now in his second year, he is a making the leap candidate for good reason because he is so versatile and so ready to take all that pressure that he put on the quarterback last year and turn it into sacks. And you've seen it if you watch the Jets preseason games. He's already gotten to the quarterback more. Uh, he's been playing a lot of nose tackle, uh, which is interesting to me. It, it shows, once again, that they are so confident in his ability to move around that line that he could thrive anywhere on the field. Uh, when you put together this guy making the leap with a healthy Mo Wilkerson, I think that this is going to be a big part of the reason why the Jets are much better on defense this year, including a healthy Darrell Rivas. Leonard Williams is a big reason. Breakout star. Double-digit sacks. Mm. Stout against the run. 
It's a Pro big Bowl. man to get double-digit sacks. Over under for you, twenty-seven quarterback takedowns. <laughs> twenty-seven. He had thirty-two last year. Oh, you're counting hits and sacks. I am talking that? specifically about sacks. Oh, sacks. Twenty-seven sacks <laughs> over under Dan. <laughs> under. Your star for his career. Under. Well, that would uh, make him the greatest sack artist of all. He time. is a better pass. So not a major star, just sort of a guy. Not a god. Just a guy. He's playing nose tackle. A star player. It's going to be hard to get a lot of sacks. I think that he's going to move around. They're going to move around. They'll play some four-man uh, line. I, I think the guys playing behind them, that's a, one of the easiest jobs in the NFL because that front line is so good. It almost doesn't matter who their linebacker is. Breakout star, Greg. Um, we talked Devontae Parker, I feel like, a lot this offseason. He was one of my making the leap guys. So I'm going to go all the way over to Buffalo and say their entire defense will be a breakout unit. How about that? And that people will remember that Rex Ryan can coach some defense. That you got Darby, Gilmore, Webster, uh, Nicole um, Roby as the is uh, as their Nicole Richie. Nicole Richie is going to be their Nickelback. <laughs> I think it's a good secondary. She's very he has a good secondary. Undersized. He can coach up some people. And yes, they've lost a lot, but I think they can be a good team defense. Maybe not the best one in the league, but I think he's going to be able to remind people, especially once Darius is back, that they can still be a top 7-8 type of defense, and, and Rex Ryan can remind you, he's a great defensive coach. Can I have, you're taking my bit, bro. I have a follow-up question. Do you believe anything of what you just said? What do you mean? Ouch. But the Bills shot. front seven is a disaster. Integrity Why? shot. What? Who do they have? Adolphus Washington looks good. Darius will be back in week four. Preston Brown, you know, they've liked what they've seen out of him all off season, like you're losing two guys that weren't ever there in the first place, and you have a great Darius is gone for a month. Group. Kyle Williams is a shell of his former self. Oh, we don't know. He could. Adolphus Washington looks decent in two preseason games. It could be a fraud. Who knows? Things are to me. Things are sneaky, setting up well for Rex to overcome. Now, his the bar is so low that I think he, it's going to work out for him where they, they're going to be mean, pretty good. I just mean, defense is a team, it's a team sport. It's not about just picking who are the best players. I, I do think he's a good coach. And well, then maybe the Colts can be great too. But they're they're bad at coaching. They, they've shown that over well, the four so years. Well, so wait, by the way, Rex Ryan is a bad coach. They've averaged season. 20th you know, on defense. Where was all this magic Rex Ryan had in 2015? By the way, he had struggled. one bad year as well, a defensive You coach. know what concerns me a little bit if I'm Rex Ryan? And Do we want to go into concerns? Because he was yes. my yes. concern. Go ahead. He is my concern because this is a defense. Now, the, the shine is off Mike Pettin, but he – Went crazy with sacks coaching that defense. Jim Schwartz coached that defense, and the sacks were off the chart. They were setting franchise records. Rex Ryan comes in, and it was a disaster last season. So you're, I'm not saying you're wrong, Greg. There's a chance for them to turn it around. And, and defenses from year to year, you can't look at what happened last Gary season. Gary Hughes is a great I think player. you got to look at the bigger picture with Rex I, and what he's been able to do his whole career. Well, I guess I still look at that year. team top to bottom and, and say, like, are they really less talented overall than, than most teams in the NFL? I think they still have a lot. They're incredibly – they have an incredibly shallow roster. If anything goes wrong with Sammy Watkins or LaShawn McCoy That's or Tyrod Taylor or one or two of people in their secondary, they're doomed. And that, I, he was a concern because of his personality. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There could be a lot of good things in place for Rex Ryan in Buffalo, but he got in his own way last year to the point where players were revolting against him. The, the, the so-called players coach of players coaches were when he with the Jets. Giants players wanted to defect over and become Jets players because they were under 
you know, Tom Coughlin, and here's Rex Ryan having fun with his guys. Rex Ryan, if things go poorly, you look at their early season schedule and all the players that are out, this could easily be a 1-5, in 1-6 in six team two months into the season. And then you've got Rex Ryan under pressure in spin cycle control, and he's going to be in hot water at that point because a lot of people feel like he shouldn't even be there at this stage. Unless they use cool water to prevent shrinking in the spin cycle. That is going to be necessary. Which you should always do. His best That's de- how I do my best tip. defense against this is your boy Greg Roman and Tyrod Taylor and Sammy Watkins and McCoy stepping up, helping out. Wes, your biggest concern. Well, it, you know, Mark mentions Rex Ryan under the gun. I think the Bills could completely fall apart. My concern is that the Patriots have no competition in this division like every other year. From a from an unbiased observer standpoint, I would like to have some more competition in this division, but this works two ways, too. The other issue is the Jets are a flawed team. I don't think they're going to go 10-6 and six against a much more difficult schedule. The Bills, I think everything could fall apart. The wheels could come off. They could be the worst team in the AFC. Mm. And the Dolphins, their back seven on defense is atrocious. Their running game is practically non-existent. I don't trust the quarterback. I see three, seven, and nine teams, and, and I don't see any competition. But how is that a concern is my question. It's a concern for all three of those teams. It's a concern as a fan. Concern for the, somebody watching the, the NFL same, and wants to see competitive team wins twelve games every year. Well, the health of the division. It, it, some people wouldn't. Well, let's talk about that. It, but that's if this thing. makes you feel better about this segment, Dan, the biggest concern <laughs> is the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills aren't good. They all have concerns. Okay. Now I'll share a concern. Okay. Share a concern. <laughs> I mean, it's a flawed concern, but let me try. I'm going to put it back on the tracks now because we got some real concerns up in the Northeast section of the. Uh, <laughs> United States. Oh, no. Oh, no. We come in peace. They seem friendly. I say we trust them. How great for our planet. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, we can pretend that New England will never be challenged in this division. We could have fun with it. We could say nothing ever changes in the world, but everything changes. And if you look closely, there are some cracks on the throne of sleaze, okay? Deion Lewis, we love Deion Lewis. Ouch, my knee still hurts. Back under the knife. James White, not a very good player. I mean, injuries were a problem, but I think their backfield's the reason they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. Tom Brady suspended, by the way. I knew that. Four games. Jimmy Garoppolo, what do we know about Jimmy Garoppolo? Nothing except for the tape we've seen in the preseason. Blah. This team could easily go one and three in the first four weeks. Tom Brady returns. Tommy, you better not have any of those little uh, moments where you need a few weeks to get hot because all of a sudden you're going to be three and seven. And guess what? You got to win out. That's a problem. Mm. Ooh, what about your right tackle? Where is he? IR. There's some problems. <laughs> Was that your kicker? <laughs> There's some problems, bro. <laughs> but first of all, Brady is going to be playing Cleveland in week five, Dan. I will just tell you, let me just and Cleveland, ripe for the upset, by the way. You want to talk about. Uh, Cleveland being pumped up for a game with their new high-octane offense, taking down Tom Brady in week five. Very possible. We're talking one in four mm. after that. Biggest concern, New England has bigger issues than they realize. And you didn't even mention, my, my biggest concern for them is their secondary, that Malcolm Butler will come back to earth a little bit. There's been some signs of that. Cornerbacks are up and down. I, I don't think it's a great cornerback group necessarily. Logan Ryan, they're counting on the rookie Cyrus Jones. Patrick Chung could turn into a pumpkin. There are concerns. There's always concerns with the Patriots. They figure it out. This year they won't. 
Well, they could go. It has s- to end sometime. I've been waiting for it for years. It still hasn't happened. They could go nine and seven and win the division too. I, I, are you predicting them to lo- knock off a game or two in terms well, of their win count we'll or a full? Coll- are you still going? Okay, we'll get to that. Continue. You're up. You're up, Mark. No, we'll get to that down the road. Biggest concern, Greg uh, Rosenthal. The back seven of the Miami Dolphins is terrible, and I know they built. They built this front line everyone's excited about. It is exciting. Uh, on paper, there's some of their offensive talent, like Devontae Parker's exciting. But, man, their secondary looks really bad. And their linebackers, just watching them – I know it was a precinct, but just la- watching them last week, Kiko Alonso and Co. Me- like, Kiko Dunn? It's just – I don't know. We'll see. But just that group in general, to me – this is not a team that can survive giving up a lot of points, and I, I think their cornerback depth chart is as bad or worse than any team in the league right now. And they're going to have to go up against the Patriots. Tyrod Taylor is good. You know, it's a tough schedule in general. I just think teams are going to be scoring points on them. Well, I mean, yeah, they don't have to worry about the Patriots because they're going to stink this year. So. According to Dan. <laughs> what? Well, that's true. Well, Everybody's do, got a down year. It's they do beat New the England's Patriots. Time. Hey, Dolphins fans can uh, feel good that they very well might have prevented Dolphins it. Dolphins fans a, cannot feel A good. Super Bowl championship from the Patriots last year. Because well, that, that that's the victory that other AFC's teams Here's, are supposed to cling to, is the minor late-season interruptions of other Super Bowl teams. Let's clip this off, all right? Because I do have a prediction here. December 1st, there will be a three-team race. all over it, Dan. A three-team race in the AFC East, December 1st. That drop will disappear from the earth entirely. You'll never hear it again. Please clip that off. And Wes, then we can When talk. the Patriots are three games up on December 1st, you are not going to bring this up. Well, then you should bring it up. All right. <laughs> uh, finally, <clears throat> uh, Shadowy League figures have shot down our uh, song that best describes the division. Listen, when you're under the long arm of Corpo America, these things happen. Well, we'll be fighting this in conference rooms for weeks. Or I not. I promise you. Now, will we win the battles? No, I don't know. But <laughs> it's usually not. Instead, we will now have some fun and pick on our based on our knowledge on of Mark Sessler as a person, which we're still piecing together even to this day, who Mark is and what he's all about. But who is the person Mark hates most in the division? With a caveat, Rex Ryan accepted. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if, if if Rex was in, it would be a clean sweep. Um, so get us going, Greg. You take a guess. Don't give away I uh, won't Mark say a word. until I we all word. make our guess. Okay. Greg. Well, I, I really sort of looked forward. So it's not even necessarily this moment. I could see if the Jet season goes sideways, second year in New York for Brandon Marshall. A lot of time in front of mm-hmm. uh, the Good camera, one. in front of the microphone. Um Maybe Fitzpatrick gets benched at some point. He's not happy. With just a lot of Brandon Marshall on a team going south. I could see that really up. Excellent Mark. pick. I love that. Excellent pick. Because one thing I do know, there's a very, very – I like Brandon Marshall, but I could see him really getting under – Very Brandon. good chance. We've already had to hear his opinion on their quarterback situation way too many times. <laughs> That's fair. And the second year of Brandon Marshall does not typically go well. Um, there's a good chance because of the – as we've heard today, the anti-Jets sentiment that permeates this room at times is a very good <laughs> Let's chance. Let's be honest. This room needs an anti-Jets sentiment. The, the, <laughs> the fact that this, uh, this, um, this room feels that way, and I think it's usually going to be a Jet when we have the chance to take a shot if it's not going to be Rex. So I'm going to 
also to go with a Jet here. I was going to go with Geno Smith, and that was because Brandon Marshall is the leader, but Geno Smith's the dark horse because he could play. And Mark is on record with his disdain about Geno as a player, so he's not going to want to have to be writing about Geno Smith or just having to hear his That's name. A good pick too. Um, some other thoughts. He, Mark doesn't really like mouthy personality types like a Brandon Marshall, so Martellus Bennett was on my grid, but he's a Patriot, so I, I think you were safe there. Doug Whaley, just because he's connected to Rex Ryan, was also in my mind. But <laughs> Rob I'll, Ryan, ooh, that would be another one. Whoa, Rob Ryan's a great I didn't even one. Think of that. I didn't one. even think of Rob, but. No, I'm going to stick with uh, a New York Jet. Geno Smith is my pick. We all must know Mark pretty well because look at my list. The first two names are Geno Smith and Brandon Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Third on the list is Mario Williams, Ooh. who if he opens his mouth and gives the level of effort he gave last week, will definitely get in Mark's doghouse because he was going through the motions, not even trying to tackle people on the field. If he does that, Mark is going to light up Mario Williams. All right. You want my answer? We would like to. It is. His name was mentioned. Those are all excellent answers, and they all have great potential. It is easily Rob Ryan. Uh, All right, because, and I'll tell you why, it's not coming out of nowhere. On my vacation over the summer. I know. I I didn't think of it until we were. I mean, he is equally, he is probably more annoying and less accomplished than Rex Ryan, and it is so easy. I'll never forget being on vacation in that youth hostel, making the mistake of clicking on my phone and reading that dual Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan interview where they're going back and forth talking about how great they are. Forget about it. I can't believe Rob Ryan is still a presence. Oh, I, it, wow. is, it is Rob Ryan. Wow. <laughs> well, you just want all your figures in this league vanilla. Don't say anything interesting. That's, that's Mark Sessler. I like interesting. I don't like absolute endless bragging with no base in reality. Mm. So I... I guess you're not going to tune in. I wish I had the name for it now. I saw on the local telecast, there's a two-part series in Buffalo on the Ryan brothers right before the seasons. Kind of the journey that they've taken uh, to get to I that. will not be tuning in. I wish you were still the boss. You could have signed that to Mark. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Can we do the person who Mark hates most for every division? Oh. I don't know. I don't. It's without not a hatred. Ryan brother I like involved, his... I don't know if it has the same pop to it's it. It's not <laughs> hatred. It is it AFC is North. We've got to do it. He's got a lot of enemies okay. in that division. I can't stand half the people in that division. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. That's the AFC East preview. We'll uh, knock out the rest. Do of... we want to make our predictions for this division? No, oh, we should. Okay. Let's go. How do we want to do it? One through four? Yeah. Go, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I have the Patriots winning again fairly comfortably. I have the Bills in second, Jets, and then Dolphins. All right, the Jets will win the AFC East this season. Wow, going eleven and five, Patriots stumble to eight and eight. Bad season in New England. Uh, the Bills surprise people, go nine and seven. So Pats fall to third place, and the Dolphins bottom out. They go five and eleven. We are dealing with reality in the twenty-first century in American pro football, which means the Patriots go thirteen and three, win the division. The other three teams go seven and nine. Mark? I have got the Patriots winning the division because there's only one division where this happens every year. The Patriots go 11-5. and five. The Jets? That would be their worst season all in seven well, or eight years. Well, Dan did mention some hiccups. I don't totally think those should be dismissed. Jets 8-8, eight and eight, right down the middle. The Dolphins 7-9 <laughs> and nine based on a late season surge. And the Bills 5-10-1. and, ten and one. <laughs> It's high. A little Easter egg. You're gonna have to reveal who they tied by the end of these predict by the end of this week, next week. 
I'll look into that. All right, time for part two of the Fantasy Extravaganza. Can we bring our guest in? Here's, here's a man uh, on his way. Coming into the studio right now, and I, oh, I don't believe this is his first time on the Around the NFL podcast. I believe it is. Is it? It is. I thought it was the second. Come first on. or second? You would never forget, Mark. Maiden Voyage? Being here. Oh, my goodness. Here he comes. He's putting on the headset. Marcus Grant, baby. This What's is, up? That's, I'm glad to be here. I'm, this is so great. I'm going to Snapchat part of the experience ah. here because, you know, I've moved up to uh, I moved up to the, the gold standard of podcasts here at the <laughs> network. And well, so I'm just glad to be here right now. Yeah, okay. so Mark, Marcus Grant. Stuff like that never happens to me. Man, stuff like that never happens to anybody except for Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, a boomerang drop. I'm impressed. Boomerang ref, bro. Boomerang. I pre- you know, the thing is, I'm Marcus Grant. He was Marcus Graham. So that was oh, uh, wow. very so close. close. Very um, close. Marcus is not Marcus Graham. <laughs> uh, Marcus Grant is a writer uh, and television personality for the NFL uh are you the NFL live NFL fantasy live team? Is that the official? I, that's where I corpo am. Corpo title. Yep, it's the official corporate title for both the television program and the podcast. And what's going on this season with NFL fantasy live? Um, well, we actually we've got a spinoff now. We are we're back on the network September fifth, five p.m. Eastern. So while you guys are all out grilling, or maybe not you guys, but while the general public is out grilling and enjoying yes. their Labor Day, uh, we'll be hard at work with our our show back on the network at five p.m. Eastern, and then at six p.m. Eastern. Uh, a brand new show called Fantasy and Friends. Mm, that's so a totally different show. It's Double a totally up. different show. It's generous of you to even mention them because now you know, you're somewhat rivals. There are a lot of our friends there. I mean, Dave Damashek will be hosting. Yeah. Uh, I believe Adam Rank will be on the program as well. So, well, I mean, you know. when a show labels itself out front as us and friends, are they are they even remotely friends in real life? These people. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be when the tell-all book comes out. Then we'll start to get into some of that. But for right now, we're, we're putting on a Let's, public face, and we're very unified. You guys have been doing this how many years? Four years on the network? Now? This, uh, well, for me, this will be season number four. But they were on the network a couple years before I came wow. along, too. Let's get back to Mark's point. <laughs> a little combustible, I would think. I mean, the, the group. There's some personalities involved. I, I think they, it also has a high ceiling potential. There's levels. There's egos involved. There are. I wouldn't call it. A, a symbiotic organism. <laughs> that bodes so poorly. Like, that, that would suggest it's parasitic at some point? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's up to I you guys. <laughs> Two TV shows, that's a, that's a lot That's a lot of success to balance. It is. It is indeed. But, yeah. but you guys do a great job, and that's why we wanted to make sure we got Marcus involved for today's segment in which we discuss quarterbacks. And tight ends, Maron. We talked about wide receivers and running backs in our uh, Monday podcast. And now we're going to talk about uh, these two positions. And a good way, again, I think, to get into it is talk overrated and underrated based on some, and take notes, Marcus, ADP insanity. Oh, I was waiting for like a drop or something. No, no, we're, not, we're not allowed to use music anymore, apparently, on the show. So, a uh, little ADP insanity. So, let's Just talk about podcast tips if you want to use that. You know, uh, totally. We are always looking for things to spruce up the Fantasy Live podcast. And you don't take it personally when I throw it out there that I got a <laughs> big fish. 
No, not at all. Some yep. people thought, oh, what does that leave? Where does that leave Marcus? I don't. It's not a shot on. Yeah, look, we, the, as a fantasy community, we are all inclusive, and we realize there are other people outside of this building who also do good work. So you know, we, we've had no beef with that. All right, good. All right, here we go. Let's talk about it. Uh, I would like more beef within the fantasy community. Ooh. I want see, more fantasy writer on fantasy think. writer crime. Well, see, the problem is there's so much. We get so much strife from outside the fantasy community that we've all been forced really? to band together to, to, you know, fight a common enemy. You know, who's That's taking right. shots from the outside? The common enemy is like people who don't believe in Jeff Janis as a difference-making wide receiver. Mm. That that is Packer Nation uh, is not pleased with that, and <laughs> Jeff Janis has maybe the largest fanboy contingent in the fantasy community. Yes, those he folks, does. those folks get a little bit uh, riled up when you say bad things about him. All right, let's talk about some overrated quarterbacks. And, again, this is fantasy. So an overrated quarterback in real life, maybe that's a stretch. But when you're talking about as a fantasy entity, who is overrated in accordance to where they're going on draft boards this summer? Uh, the first name that comes to mind for me is Ben Roethlisberger. And in, Whoa. In a lot of drafts, this guy is coming off the board as maybe the fourth or fifth quarterback in a lot of leagues. And let's be honest, no Martavis Bryant this year, which is a big loss. No Le'Veon Bell for three games, which takes away a big pass catcher out of the backfield. We have no idea what the status of Ladarius Green is going to be this season. So, yeah, Antonio Brown is great. There's no doubt about it. But right now, that's kind of the only weapon. You're on top of that talking about a quarterback who at some point is going to be hurt because that's just what Ben Roethlisberger does. And look, he may be out on the field and trying to gut through it, but he will be less than 100%. So the idea that he's going to be just lights out again, I think what happens is people look at what the Steelers offense did as a group last year and just try to carry it over this year. But a lot of those factors that made that group so successful, especially from a fantasy perspective, Mm. either aren't there or aren't going to be at 100% this year. I think that's fair. I love Roethlisberger as an NFL quarterback, but there's so much unsettled there. And you mentioned Ladarius Green. They have no idea when he's going to play. Not at all. They don't know who their number three is going to be. Uh, there's a lot unsettled. Last year you had, for instance, the Broncos game where you've got Chris Harris on one guy and uh, Aqib Tlaib on the other guy. Marcus Wheaton goes wild. Right. He's not going to have that opportunity if but Plus there's without so many Martavis good Bryant. quarterbacks late in the draft, which we'll get to, that it's like if you're going to take one that early, you better be – very confident. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I have an opinion. If, if you're taking a quarterback early, you're looking at, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, I yes. think are the three guys that go kind of early. Beyond that, you can wait a couple. Maybe mid-rounds you're looking at a Drew Brees or a Carson Palmer, but, you know, if you are about waiting on quarterbacks, you can wait until the double-digit well, rounds and still get somebody good. I'll throw out another big name then as overrated. I don't get why Tom Brady's getting taken so early. He's he was been, also on my list. in the first four games – of the season, and he'll come back and he'll be solid. But is his are his fantasy numbers going to be that? Oh much, yeah, m- that much better than some of the guys getting taken late. Really, yes. you, you're convinced that he's going to light up the scoreboard? Yes, absolutely. I think their offense is absolutely loaded. I because for to he's going in the sixth round right now. For him to go in the sixth round, he better be the top. I don't quarterback. I don't have an issue with that because the whole. The whole philosophy on fantasy football should be to find a weekly advantage. Mm-hmm. And if you're convinced that Tom Brady's going to be a weekly advantage for you starting in October, I got no problem with that whatsoever. Maybe you're confident enough as a fantasy owner to go 0-4 and, and then have a great <laughs> comeback story. It should be easy enough to find quarterbacks. That would be an argument, you know, to take him. I guess that you can find a good backup. I guess I've seen enough Patriots up and down that he doesn't always – 
light up huge stats each and every season. I know he's tended that way lately. They were averaging 35 points a game with yeah. everyone healthy last year. I mean, I, I I go both ways on this. I feel like sixth round seems a little bit too early for me to reach for Tom Brady just because of the four games he's going to miss. But I do agree with Wes that when he's back, he will be productive for you week in and week out. It just means that if you are taking that chance on Tom Brady, obviously you're probably going to have to go get a second quarterback a little bit earlier than you otherwise would. Wes, overrated. Overrated duo right here. Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins going in the late ninth, early tenth round. Around the same area as Tony Romo, and I would take Romo over both those guys without a doubt. Yeah. I Give me Blake Bortles, like, way before both of those guys, too. No way are you trusting Kirk Cousins to repeat what he did last year. No way are you trusting Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed to stay healthy for 16 games. Pierre, throw Pierre Garçon in there, too. This is one of the most injury-prone receiving cores in the NFL, and Kirk Cousins is not going to have the easy schedule he had last year. I'm going to say it just because I have to because it's August 2016 – and it's the NFL calendar, do you handcuff Tony Romo with Dak Prescott? No. Wow. No. But, you know, I will say this about Dak Prescott. You know, maybe this is going a little too deep. But for anybody playing in dynasty leagues, yeah, look at Dak Prescott. I mean, just what we saw out of him so far. I know it's preseason, but what we've seen out of him and the fact that the dude was a baller in college. You know, I, I don't think that can be overlooked. So if you're looking down the road, realizing that Tony Romo, because of his injury history, may not be too much longer for this league, Dak Prescott could have a future. Let's throw out another overrated quarterback. Anybody jump in? Anybody? Eli. Why is Ooh. Eli? Whoa! Ooh. I disagree. He's Ooh, I on did, my I, underrated. Yeah, I disagree. I just think that the offensive line, I, I'm now not convinced that they're going to go up and down the field as, as easily as they Wasn't like his to. offensive line an issue last year? Yeah, it might be worse, though, this year. Marcus, I don't know if you're a listener to the show or how well you know Greg, but uh, there were two Super Bowls. I, I, Eli I Manning <laughs> led the New York Giants to an upset victory over the Patriots, and it's never he's never quite gotten over what do you guys? What do you guys think about Andrew Luck going in the fourth, fifth round? It's like he had that bad a season, and he's not getting p- penalized for it. Rem- it reminds me of Eddie Lacy. You'd like to get these guys at a discount. Right. I have no problem with Luck going there. Yeah. you just like to get him at a discount, and you're not getting him at a discount. Well, I feel like Andrew Luck was coming at a discount earlier in the summer, and as we've gotten closer to the start of the season, we've started talking him up a little bit more, and that has boosted his draft position. But, you know, I, I think last year – I'd like to believe last year was something of a speed bump, and what we saw of him earlier in his career, from a fantasy perspective, is more indicative of who he is. I, I would prefer if he took better care of the football than he has in the past, but in terms of his ability to produce, I think Luck is going to be a good guy to have. Uh, you have another un- overrated, West before we move on to underrated. Andy Dalton. Let me find out where he's going again. Let's- Andy Dalton's going surprisingly late, which, you know, I, I – I think what we saw of him last year, I don't know if he's as good as we saw last year, but I don't think he's as bad as he has been in the past. And where he's going off the board in drafts, I think, makes him actually a a pretty good value. I I really think this is going to be a Jeremy Hill-led offense this year. Hmm. The way their personnel is set up, the way Jeremy Hill looks in the preseason, I think it's going to be a lot more run-heavy than it was last season. All right. uh, Before we move on to underrated, I just want to check in over. Let's take a walk down the road. Take a visit to the old street corner uh, where there he is, leaning up against the pole, white T-shirt, tight, tight jeans. Oh, some stuff going on in the city tonight. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, rambunctious in the city. I mean, my take. Are you, are you safe? I'm safe. I think the listener is safe because I've essentially been shaved out of the segment. I mean, you've wisely brought someone in with basically the same name as me. 
uh, to offer you yeah. know infinitely <laughs> more valuable fantasy advice. So I can shave minutes off the show by shutting up at this point. Continue on. Okay, we'll come back to you. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Underrated uh, quarterback uh, in accordance with ADP. Greg Rosenthal. So many. I mean, this is a position where you want to wait. I love what you said about Tony Romo. Would love to take him in the 10th round. Let's go for another couple guys late. Tyrod Taylor and Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think, is set up to have a great fantasy season. When I when I talked about Tom Brady in the 6th round, that's why I would wait because these guys should be 4,000-yard type quarterbacks. And if you can get 4,000-yard type quarterbacks that late, then why not wait? I like Tyrod Taylor a lot. I like Matt Stafford a lot. Um, a guy, one of the guys I have on my list is Jameis Winston. Yeah, mine too. Um, who I think, one, he, he got rid of the dad bod, at least if the photos are to be believed. <laughs> mm. he, he got rid of dad bod. He's had a full off season to kind of work with Mike Evans, who I think, by the way, yardage-wise, Mike Evans was, was pretty good last year. The, the touchdown numbers were not what you want, but I think that's going to go up. If Austin Safarian Jenkins can get his head screwed on straight, he's a really athletic presence in the middle of the field. And you still have Charles Sims as a guy who comes out of the backfield on third downs to catch passes. The only thing I think that you won't see from Jameis this year, I don't know that you'll see the rushing touchdown numbers because that's generally not part of his game, but I think he'll make up for it with what he does throwing the football. And look, I don't expect their defense to be very good, which means they're going to be in a lot of high-scoring games. They're going to be playing from behind, and that means Jameis is going to throw the ball more. Second-year leap. There we go. In no way would I take Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota as a fantasy or NFL Where's he going, Winston's going in late 11th round, so people are not really – Mariota's going 13th round? I like Mariota a lot. I just – I worry about the guys catching the ball from him. Right. Are they going to be an aggressive offense that throws the ball a ton? But I like I like Mariota's talent. I like yeah, his, his skill set. I just don't like his weapons. Well, he, he's going to run more often this year too. Yeah, and he's also way better in the red zone than Jameis Winston. Mariota is excellent in the red zone. Uh, if you don't like Ben Roethlisberger and you have issues with Tom Brady, Carson Palmer and Blake Bortles are going around round and a half later than those guys. Carson Palmer must have been one of the top three or four fantasy quarterbacks last year. Yep. Blake Bortles' numbers had to have been awesome. These guys are leading stacked offenses this year, and I love those guys in the middle of the draft. Blake Bortles won my inaugural Mark Bolger Award last year, which is the <laughs> it is the award I give out to the fantasy quarterback who succeeds in spite of himself. Just because I love, I remember having Mark Bolger on teams, and the typical Mark Bolger stat line would be 330 yards, four touchdowns, three picks. Yeah, and that was kind of Blake Bortles, where he'd throw a couple of early interceptions, but then would battle back and you know put up a whole bunch of yards and touchdowns. He is on the watch list. I don't know that he's the early leader for that award. Right now, that's Andrew Luck. But Blake Bortles is a guy who is certainly on the, the Mark Bolger Award watch list again in 2016. Also, Matt Ryan down here in the late 12th round. I think the Falcons offense is going to be a lot better than other people think. No way I would take Kirk Cousins over him. Um, I, I got it because I, I go back and forth on Matt Ryan. And I guess my, my final evaluation – how do you feel about Mohamed Sanu, I guess? Well, I wrote the Making the Leap piece on him. I think he's good for 80 <laughs> touches and 1,000 yards. Then I think that, that inflates the the value of Matt Ryan in that offense. Greg, give us another underrated quarterback before we move on. How about Phillip Rivers? I think that Chargers offense is going to be a lot better than people think. I think he's going to move up and down the field. I like a nice, safe quarterback if you're going, going that late in the draft. I think he's very safe to go over 4,000 yards. Yeah, love Philip Rivers. I think uh, I think on top of it, Keenan Allen. I think is going to have a huge year. He's going to be a big uh, recipient of that. And plus, 
I like the fact that Philip Rivers basically said one of our goals this year is to get Antonio Gates the tight end touchdown record. So I'm on board with that. How many does he need? He needs eight to pass Tony Gonzalez. He could maybe do that. He could Wes, do that. How possibly. about you, buddy? One more guy. Yeah, one more guy. Well, I just offer the counterpoint to Eli Manning. I, I've said several times on this podcast, I believe he's a dark horse to lead the NFL in touchdowns for one simple reason. He's got Odell Beckham. And if you got Odell Beckham, you're going to be a good fantasy quarterback. Sterling Shepard's another reason, even though Dan loathes guy, that guy. Why? <laughs> Something's going on there. How do you hate Sterling Shepard? I don't hate him. like all the buzz. Just, something, <laughs> something feels off. He's this year's Reggie Bush for Dan. Would not yeah. surprise me if this is Eli's first 40-touchdown season. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, and now let's move on to tight ends. And, you know, tight ends, not as sexy, certainly, as quarterbacks, but spend a little time talking about it. It will take up a roster spot. Uh, we'll, there are certain guys that will really help your team week to week. Give us one, though, Greg, that maybe people got to calm down with if they want to draft them high. Well, I bet everyone wrote this down. How is Kobe Fleener getting taken in the sixth round? This is, well, that was one of the craziest ones I saw this whole week. Kobe Fleeter is the sixth best option on that on that offense at best. Look, like I would rather have sixth. Isn't the idea if you can turn Ben Watson into a tight yeah, end? That's, that's the I argument. think that's the idea. That's I the think, argument. I think that's a facile idea, because if you listen to what Sean Payton is saying about Kobe Fleener in terms of his struggles picking up the offense, some of the reports, uh, I think they're going to want guys that are more reliable, that can block a little bit. And I like Michael Thomas better. I like. Brandon Cook's better. I like Mark Ingram better. I like C.J. Spiller better. It's like all these players that you are know better what? at football than Kobe Fleener. Ultimately, I, w- I want to go with them. Another reason why it's a facile argument, Ben Watson was in that offense for, what, half a decade? Yep. Before he was thrust into the tight end one role? Kobe Fleener's never been in that offense before. Facile? We're going to put two people in a row use the word <laughs> facile? <laughs> I'm just like – Is that your corner? Wait, let's check in <laughs> on the corner. I got nothing for you. What were you saying? I didn't hear. I that. just I thought it was interesting that Greg tried to use a big money word there. And I didn't West, try to West use double down I the same word. I mean, let's stick to it's a, it's a parlor game. Let's stick to it. I'm actually happy you said that, Greg, because I feel like I'm the only fantasy analyst in America who has not jumped on the Kobe Fleener really? bandwagon. He's not like it, the main thing with fantasy. We can talk about it Friday. Is, like, just take players that you believe are really good NFL players, because over the years, like yeah, some sometimes. Mediocre players will have big numbers seasons, but it doesn't happen that Wait, often. Did you hear that? Wait, can we go back to the corner a second? What did I say? Did you, Greg turning into a real analyst. You just re- need really good NFL players. Next thing you know, he's gonna, <laughs> you're going to need really good National Football League players. Well, by the way, Sean Payton very recently, within hours, called Kobe Fleener a work in progress. Yeah. So Greg's point. Delaney, Delaney go. Walker's going after him. I love Delaney. I let's love save, Delaney let's save him for underrated. There you go. Uh, you're, you're sure you're safe, by the way, Mark? I have something to say, but I'll wait. No, you're safe. <laughs> I am safe on the corner. We hear what's going on. It is a little bit. Listen, I'm This is I'm, like Marlo Stanfield's corner right now. <laughs> the best yes, part of town. An overrated entity at tight end. Jordan Reed going in the middle of the fourth round. I loved this guy last year when the fantasy community decided he was too injury prone to even draft. Shot you don't fired. want him at all. You don't want Jordan Reed. He'll never stay healthy. That was a shot at you, Mark. He's not, <laughs> any, he's not any more talented than he was last year at this time. He just stayed healthy for a while. I love Jordan Reed's talent, but if you're counting on him to stay healthy for 16 games, you're not paying attention to Jordan Reed. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. fantasy community Although here's the thing. I I have really decided that because of the nature of the game, 16 games is kind of gravy for anybody. 
the fantasy regular season generally is 13 games. If I can get 13 to 14 games out of a guy, I'm going to be okay with that. So if I can get 13 to 14 games out of Jordan Reed, I'm fine there. I don't think you can. Fourth round is crazy, though, because you just have to think of who's available at other positions in the fourth round. Like, would you rather have Cam Newton or – or Jordan Reed. It is because the tight end position is very top heavy. You've got two or three People guys. People say at the that top. every year, and then guys like Jordan and Reed are available in the twelfth round. I, see, I would say it's top heavy because Gronk is the top. But after that, then the next five or six guys. To me, Delaney Walker well, is the same as as. If you want to talk overrated tight ends, and, and this might me might you know get me disinvited from the show. It was a whopper. Gronk at the end of the first round seems a little bit. It seems ambitious for me, especially because the the gap between Gronk and everybody else is starting to close a little bit. I, it's, I agree it's not with that Greg. he's not How the best. You. It's not that he's not the best tight end in the yeah, game. Yeah, this is one of my points about the Patriots. But I think that gap is starting to close, and to spend a a late first round pick on him when there's still a lot of quality wide receivers or running backs out there. If I could hold on and get Gronk late second round, I'd feel a little bit better about it. Just to go on record here, I would never, ever fault anyone for drafting Gronk at any point in their fantasy draft. I would fault people. <laughs> you know what's going to happen this year? Some people are going to draft Glenn Gronkowski by mistake. By mistake, yeah. Glenn Don't you think? Well, similarly, last just year. Just be like, hey, how's Gronk still here in the fourth round? Well, that's oh, how no, you, you know, got Glenn. That's how you know whether you have a good commissioner or not, whether he allows you to overturn that pick. If you, have some, it. if you have, like, Greg Williams as your commissioner, he'd be like, no, you stuck with him. <laughs> well, You're a mistake. You deal with it. Similarly, last year when, when Cardinals running back David Johnson was going berserk, there were some people who took the backup charger tight end mm. by the same Ooh. name. It's dark. Yeah. All right, underrated tight end. I will go. I'll, uh, I'll let uh, Wes have uh, someone else. I'll go Julius Thomas this year. Love I, I, I love that offense. I love his chances to improve late, and I love where he's getting taken, what is it, the eighth, ninth round. I love that. Um, I, I think Julius Thomas is going to be huge this year. I think he's going to bounce back a lot. Uh, I'll give you a name. Jared Cook. Yeah. Who a lot of people are sleeping on just because – because of his past and what he, how he underperformed, but he's in the best offense he's ever played with. He's you know, catching passes from the best quarterback he could ever imagine to play with. And the Packers have been looking for a tight end mm. since Jermichael Finley was forced to retire, and he's that guy. They share who some similarities. They, they cheap. a lot of similarities. By the way, Dan, here's your symbiotic relationship. Aaron Rodgers and Jared Cook helping each other, areas which they both needed help. Jared Cook, when's the last time he had a decent quarterback? Never. Aaron Rodgers, when's the last time he had a, a speedy tight end? Jermichael Finley, I think. That's a good point. I endorse Julius Thomas and Jared Cook. And love both you, Wes. Delaney Walker, this is crazy that I Jordan Reed Walker. is going three rounds ahead of Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker had better numbers last year and is a healthier player. Mariota loves throwing down the seam, and Mariota is money on accuracy down the seam. Delaney Walker is his guy. Is I, that a Tennessee thing? Is the people just, yes. not, just not up to speed on what's Absolutely the a Tennessee thing. Oh, yeah, he has, he has the stink of the Titans on him. I know that for sure. But I, that's that's the reason that I will pass on Jordan Reed in the you know, third or fourth round and wait until, like, the ninth round and draft Delaney Walker. Let me just, I just want to test something. Mark, how are you doing right now? I am doing okay. <laughs> this is the most absurd thing I have ever experienced in my adult life. <laughs> There's sirens in the background. All right. Um, all right. Let's now formally – we've, we've teased it a lot. We're actually going to go over there now. We're just going to stay there for a bit there. Uh, we're heading over to the Fantasy Corner. There's Mark leaning up against that light post. Tight white T-shirt. Jeans. That you, listen, nothing left to the imagination. <laughs> Pack of Marlboro Reds <laughs> up, in the, up in the sleeve. See, Mark McConaughey and dazed and confused. Mark Street Corner is from 1959. Yeah, I know. I know. Toothpick <laughs> in his mouth. He's Mark a greaser. Talk to us, Mark. 
And look, you've been a wonderful guest, Marcus, number one. So I don't mean to disparage uh, your industry, but I have no other move. That is my move, and I have a statement to make about the fantasy football industry. Look at me, says the fantasy football enthusiast, completely unaware of his surroundings. Check out my lineup. Look at my strong receiver position, he says. I'm loaded at wideout. That was my philosophy going into the draft. It's a passing league, you know. Then the fantasy football enthusiast turns to you, his coffee breath burning into your face, saying over and over, look at my team, look at my lineup, look at my players, look who I picked, look what I achieved, look how I lean exclusively on the accomplishments of others, yet angle it as some sort of strategic coup d'etat on my part, look how adept I am at strategy, picking my lineup. This feels weirdly specific. It does. Look at my players. Look at my special decisions. Look at my ability to drown out real-life issues and relationships in favor of a straw man parlor game based entirely on real men accomplishing things on a distant field. (laughs) Then the fantasy football enthusiast bursts into a sweat, thinking about himself as hot vapors of self-admiration swirl off his body. I am special, he whispers. I am different and strategic and unique. In the distance, Mother Russia celebrates her final stirring <laughs> victory over a dangerously lost American generation. Wow. Wow. That You know what that reminded me of when you were doing the whole look at my... It was like uh, Ozymandias, the poem, but from Percy Shelley, look at my mighty works. Look, look, ye, look, look ye mighty upon my ch- works in despair. In despair. I don't yeah. think we've ever... a charge of plagiarism uh, over on the no, corner. No, not a charge I've at all. I've never even heard of the guy Wes is talking I, about. I'll look him up. <laughs> Percy I, Shelley? I don't think we've ever oh, had Percy such Shelley. an accurate depiction of Mark Sessler's id. Like, that was his yeah, that subconscious was on the out on the page. Well, I felt uncomfortable because we have a true uh, – I mean, the three, but, three people in the room built their careers off fantasy, so I'm going to get out of here as quick as possible. Here's the thing. I, I, I appreciate that because <laughs> I feel like, you know, I understand our, our place in the universe. I, you know, I, I tell people I, – I, I work hard at what I do. But if we woke up tomorrow and there was no more fantasy, the world would be no worse off. Well, by the way, same <laughs> with, the same would apply to football analysis in general if you really want to yeah. stretch it out. So. Not what uh, you got. You guys, are, you guys are doing important work here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't I, I work. I work in the toy department of the newsroom. Yeah. You know? so. We got 90 seconds uh, to talk about anything else on your mind on this quarterback tight end uh, situation. And that's why we need to lean hard right now on some 5 o'clock delight. Oh, wow. All right, get going. Wes. I'm not drafting Jimmy Graham, period. I don't trust any football player coming off a patellar tendon surgery. Do not draft Jimmy Graham. If you're going to take a quarterback early, if that's just your thing, it's got to be Russell Wilson. Uh, I would say if you are looking at tight ends, there are so many you can get in the late rounds. In fact, you might even be able to get a good one off the waiver wire if you want. Wes. Zach Ertz. Draft him instead of some of these bums going early. Greg, it's called 8 o'clock delight. No. <laughs> Tyler Eifert is injured to start the year. Why waste the mid-round pick on him when there's so many tight ends? points, Marcus. <laughs> I believe in a lot of the late-round quarterbacks, and it's okay to draft two. Don't let them fool you. The corner. The corner. I'm going out. Everyone's going out. Wait, what's I'm, happening? I'm concerned for my This happening? is your fantasy season in a nutshell. Oh, no. <laughs> Very nihilistic look at life. Your corner doesn't exist anymore. Finally. Oh, we're back. Wes. Uh, 
I have nothing. Greg, <laughs> draft your Titans. Act like the Titans are an NFL team. Greg. Just listen to Mark's Fantasy Corner on repeat right before your draft. Marcus, uh, load up on the Cardinals. Why not? All right. Absolutely. I was struggling. All right. Listen, we guys ran out Fortune of Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> there you go. That is Fantasy Extravaganza Part 2. Uh, Marcus Grant can be found on Twitter at Marcus with a, a strange spelling. Let's just call it. M-A-R-C-A-S. My, uh, my parents have doomed me to a lifetime of misspelled mail. Yes. <laughs> M-A-R-C-A-S-G. That's Marcus Grant. That's where you can find him. Um, and thank you very much for joining us. You guys do great work on the NFL.com slash fantasy side. Thanks for having me. And yeah, now that we got, now that we are all neighbors in the newsroom, uh, I you know it's Let's nice to have this, this kind of synergy here. Absolutely, Marcus Grant, baby. Man, stuff like that never happens to me. Man, stuff like that never happens to anybody except, except for Marcus. Marcus. All right, that's it for today's show. We will be back on Friday with a special guest wrapping up fantasy week. And now we need to just say goodbye. Uh, to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, TD, who ends his run at NFL Media, going off to greener pastures. Perhaps. We don't know if it's going to go well or not. It could be <laughs> the biggest mistake of his life. And a year from now, he'll be one of those guys that says, I could have done it at the NFL, and I blew it. That was my big chance, and I never understood it till it was gone. This got grim. Probably not. Probably he'll succeed. Or you're a huge success, TD. Which I'm banking. I'm going with option two. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. Here in L.A., it is Kobe Day 824, so as they say, I'm going to shoot my shot. See what happens. (laughs) Good luck to you, buddy. Good luck to you, baby. Thanks, TD. It is so fitting that it is on 824 Day here in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, as I said, so make sure you check out the part three of the Fantasy Extravaganza. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, Marcus Grant, the boss, and one last time, TD behind the glass. Later, buddy! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.